Hey there, educational rock stars. Welcome back to another week of the Teaching Made Easy podcast. This week, I am going to be doing a little something different. I sat down with a third grade teacher and we talked about some of the struggles that she has had in her classroom with regard to small group instruction and math and literacy centers and some of the things that she did to totally transform her mindset with regard to her small groups and math and literacy centers so that she could have more time in teaching in small groups as well as save time in planning and prepping and get bigger impact with her students learnings. I'm super excited to be sitting down with Alexis Atwood today, a third grade teacher in Texas, and I cannot wait for her to share all of the amazing tips and strategies that she's using in her classroom to make her math and literacy centers run like clockwork and get bigger impact out of her small group learning. On to the episode. Welcome to the Teaching Made Easy podcast, where it's all about simple systems that actually work so you can finally teach and give your students bigger impact in their learning. Teaching is hard, y'all, but what if I told you that sometimes we make it harder than it has to be? I'm Farah, CEO of Farah Henley Education and host of the Teaching Made Easy podcast. I've been an educator for almost 25 years, and to say I've seen a thing or two is an understatement. I know how much you pour your heart and soul into your students and your classroom, and I want to help you find some simple ways to have a bigger impact without breaking the bank or spending all your free time focused on school. You don't have to be a Pinterest teacher to be a great teacher, and that is what this podcast is all about. So grab your favorite beverage, head out on that walk, or just soak the day away in a bubble bath. But sit back and let's enter the world of teaching made easy. Hey there, Rockstars. Thanks for jumping back with us this week for another episode of the Teaching Made Easy podcast. We're going to get into our interview in just a few moments after a short word from our sponsor. Welcome back to the podcast, guys. So I am interviewing a teacher friend of mine today, and we worked together. Oh my gosh, it has been so many years ago, but it was actually uh, Alexis's first year teaching. She was doing the same alternative certification program that I did, and it was her internship year as a teacher. And that's when I met her, and we were in a very unique situation. I will just say that. Welcome, Alexis. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to spend some time chit-chatting with you. Absolutely. Listen, we don't get to talk that as often as we used to. Kids (laughs) and business and everything else, teaching, everything else gets in the way. And we were just talking before the podcast. Her daughter came on and said hi. And I told her, I said, you're not supposed to be standing up. You're supposed to still be like in diapers and in a carrier because that's what I remember because she's grown so fast. So you must be super, super proud of her. I'm very proud of her. <laughs> I was watching a video on Facebook that popped up this morning when she was about two with her little golf club. And I just went, oh, my heart. <laughs> oh my gosh. And you know, I want you to tell us a little bit about your story and it kind of starts with golf because you've kind of always been an entrepreneur as well, but teaching was not what you first, your first career, was it? No, I took about the most roundabout way of becoming a teacher you could. Uh, you know, when I was in elementary school and middle school, that was what I wanted to do was teach. I mean, I spent hours playing school in my room. You know, that's probably why I got so 
so good at math facts, probably why I got so good at reading, because I would read chapter books out loud as if my students were listening. And I would, you know, do the facts and I'd keep all my graded papers and I'd grade them and regrade them. And, you know, just, you know, all the little things that kids do. And so then, you know, fast forward into middle school and high school, and I decided I wanted to go to vet school. So teaching kind of went by the wayside and got to, got to work for a vet clinic and decided, gosh, putting in that many years and investing that much money and not being a hundred percent sure that that's what I want to do the rest of my life. I thought maybe that's not my route. So when I got to college, I actually went the equine industry and business route. Um, so uh, my degrees are actually not education. My bachelor's degree is in equine industry and ag business. And my master's degree is actually in animal science. So I spent three and a half years doing that. And, you know, I, I loved the industry I was in, but I didn't necessarily love sitting behind a computer and formulating feed. I didn't necessarily love all the travel that went along with it because it's not like I was getting to choose where I was traveling and who I was traveling with. I was traveling with salesmen and whatnot. And, and about that time, my husband and I had been married um, for about three years along about this time and ended up Scout was on the way, our daughter. And I just sat down with my boss one day. We happened to be at an equine science symposium and we were just sitting there chatting. And I said, you know, I'm just not sure. I think you and I both know this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. Okay. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) Let's back up a little bit. You were you were going from veterinary and equine sciences, definitely making a very decent income doing this. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you flipped and said, I think I'm going to go be a teacher. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I knew that's what I really wanted you, to do. You knew we weren't paid well, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Continue. And I knew thoughts. I wasn't going to have a company vehicle with a company credit card and a gas card. And I wasn't going to get to trip, take yearly trips to Cancun and go on cruises like I'd been doing with, you know, all of our feed dealers. But I was willing to give all that up because I wanted to wake up each morning going, I get to do what I love to do instead of waking up each morning going, is it Friday yet? Because that's kind of the point I got to. Now and we I still knew- do that as teachers. <laughs> is it Friday? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 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 But as a bit to be perfectly honest, I mean, we joke about that, but I truly love what I do and I get to change lives and I get to, you know, teach an age group that pretty much for the most part still thinks we're pretty wonderful every day. Exactly. Uh, And so, you know, I, I loved it and yeah, and my husband was on board, I mean, and, and everything. Um, So anyway, fast forward, got done with all the classwork online and it was time to find an internship, which is very difficult because we are in a mostly title one area and they have to hire what they call highly qualified teachers, which meant you need to be certified. And I talked to, you know, everything from the ISDs that were local to everything else. And I pretty much got told, unless you graduated from college A, B, C, or D, we're not going to visit with you unless you had a teaching degree. And I'm like, well, okay. So in the meantime, my husband and I had opened a business um, in Lubbock. It was a golf simulation business, similar to like a Top Golf, um, just in a much smaller scale. And so 
there's where the golf comes into it. And I happened to be sitting there one day on the computer. And obviously I was still looking for a teaching job because I invested all this time and some money and this is what I wanted to do. And came across a listing in uh, the Lubbock Avalanche Journal online for this position. It was an apprenticeship at that same school that you were at. It was a public charter school. So, you know, I thought, well, I'm going to try this. So I went to the interview and I can remember that day sitting in this room. I think it was the computer lab we were sitting in. And I remember looking around and of course I have no teaching experience, no classroom teaching experience. Remember I didn't student teach and looking around going, there are like 30 people in this room. There is no way that I'm going to outperform all these people in this interview. So I went in with the interview and basically I said, look, I am a blank slate. Mold me how you want me. I have no preconceived notions about what I want my classroom to look like or anything. And, and honestly, in hindsight, that's probably what got me the opportunity. Um, in that situation, yes. In that situation. Um, <laughs> and that, and, that would be a whole other podcast. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that. that approach would not work in <laughs> in pretty much 99% of situations. Right. But in that one, I, I guess it did. And so anyway, I got to start that apprenticeship and it, I will say it was absolutely a, a wonderful learning experience. It was, I had a couple of great mentors, one of them actually being you, believe Aww, it or not. Oh, thank you. You had been there, you had, you know, been teaching, you had been teaching similar to the grade level I was teaching. Um, my first year was in first grade. And so I did have some great example of what a good running classroom should look like. You know, just those intangible things that I don't care what pro program you go through. They're not going to teach you these things in any college program or online program or alt cert program. Absolutely. Just, absolutely. That is something yeah. we hear so often. And I know a lot a lot of times alternative certification teachers. Now I've been teaching for almost 25 years now. How many years have you been teaching? You've been teaching now. This is year 11. Year 11. And I yeah. know a lot of times we as alternative certification teachers get a bad rap on some yes. level because totally. especially in Texas, there was a big push in Texas for mm -hmm. you just need a degree. We don't care what it's in. Come yeah. get your certification to teach. And it did produce some not so great teachers. Absolutely. But I think for a lot of us, it though gave us the opportunity to go into a profession we hadn't ever thought about being a part of because yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't go to school for that either. So there, there have been some amazing teachers come through and there have been some not so amazing teachers come through. And a lot of that also has to do with that first year is so critical in getting a mentor or handful of mentors. You know, even when I first, when I left that original school and went into the public school system, I had some mentor teachers who taught the grade levels above me that, I mean, they became lifelong friends. And if it hadn't been for them, I may not have become the teacher that I feel like I am today. So yeah, for sure. I, I tell, I tell people all the time and I know you've heard me say it so many times the best professional development is often the teacher next door because we can take classes uh, we can go take college classes nothing prepares you for what it's actually like in the trenches and learning no. from other teachers who have gone before you and yes. been there and done it and have yes. figured it out is what you should be doing so yes. I've always 
said, I want to create a class and teach at a college titled the thousands of things they never taught you and what really happens in class. <laughs> I mean, just like all the stuff that they could never actually create all of those real life situations and, and how you handle them. And, you know, just things like that, that, you know, you just, sometimes you just learn as you go and you learn by doing, and sometimes you go, well, that didn't work. <laughs> I think it's just so hard sometimes to go into a profession that doesn't prepare you in your classes, but finding those professional developments that you can take and those professional learning communities that you can be a part of to where you can take your craft to the next level is very, very important. And it doesn't matter what stage you're at, whether you're in year one or whether you're in year nine, it doesn't matter, or year 20, finding those professional development and yeah, learning definitely. communities is important. Yeah, so yeah. you're teaching third grade now. Yes, I've actually taught third grade for the last 10 years. Um, I spent one year teaching first grade. I am departmentalized. Uh, our third grade is departmentalized. So I only teach math. I teach three rotations of math each day and I wouldn't have it any other way. So you're teaching third grade math and um, I'm assuming you're doing small group instruction. You thought, well, I'm in third grade. And one of the big misconceptions I've been talking about even this week is that math and literacy centers and whether it's the system or small group instruction and you having some sort of station system they rotate through or the actual activities is that's for kinder first grade. That's for only the little ones do that. But and you're yeah. going into third grade and you kind of thought that too. Oh, absolutely. You know, I had seen to an extent that you had set up within your classroom and, and you were teaching kinder at the time. And, you know, knowing, first of all, the first year, so I was a little bit of deer, deer in the headlights with a lot of things anyway. You know, I was just like, just tell me what to teach. I will teach it. Uh, but as However far as like, you want me to teach it. <laughs> yeah. But as far as like going out on my own and finding stuff and creating centers, I was like, hmm. No. So seeing what you had as far as centers, you know, a lot of the centers that you see even today, like if you just get on, you know, teacher, pay teacher, Pinterest, whatever, you see things for literacy, like beginning sounds, ending sounds, rhyming. Well, I'm sorry, but that don't work in third grade. Right. So that's, that was my thought and math, you know, you see all these centers where they've got like maybe they've got the little base 10 blocks and they're counting them. And maybe they've got, you know, uh, what, what comes before and what comes after, or maybe it's like hundred chart activities. And so seeing those things, and there just wasn't a lot out there for the upper level grades. And I thought, well, I can't put that stuff in centers because we're way past that. You know, I, up until now I'm going to be hundred percent honest here up until about a year ago, I was of the opinion that everything I did in my classroom had to be at star rigor because that as a third grade teacher, that's been the bulk of my career, right? Uh, my first year of teaching was the first year that star was created. So I am a star test teacher. For my listeners who are not Texas teachers, oh, star sorry. is our state testing. That is yes. our state test. And it begins in third grade. So kudos to you because I taught third grade and I was like, yep, this is the deer in the headlights year. I don't want to teach this year. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So. And it is because they, I mean, anybody who's taught for any amount of time and has taught anywhere between the second, third and fourth grade level, when they come to us in third grade in August or September, or whenever you start school where you're at, they're babies. They're babies. And you see this huge change with maturity and with everything. I mean, even physical, like, you know, you take their picture the first day of school and even by Christmas, you go, oh my goodness, y'all have grown up 
up so much. I always thought, well, everything I do needs to be at star rigor after like December, because otherwise I'm wasting time. I'm spinning my wheels. I don't want to give them easy, you know, baby stuff that they're like, oh yeah, we did that months ago. I'm good. My centers, I pretty much had my group that I was doing that lesson with that was scripted in C-scope and everybody else was doing some kind of like fact practice, you know, maybe like a game. And I'll be the first to admit they probably weren't hundred percent on task all the time, because again, I was just trying to worry about teaching my lesson and kind of like the seat work thing where you and I were my first year, you know, the, what the other students were doing was literally being treated as busy work. And I knew that's not what my center should look like, but I couldn't, I couldn't grasp in my mind and find a system where I could make it all work for me. If you had to guess, how many <laughs> hours did you spend on Pinterest looking for- Oh, the rabbit hole that Pinterest used to get me into. Oh my gosh. And of course, that's when Pinterest first was created too. So it was like all brand new and it was like- Okay, oh now you're telling how old we are. Oh. I know, right? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so I would sit there for- hours on the weekends and you know you'd click on something you think oh that looks like a cool thing to do well it takes you to somebody's blog so then you start looking through their blog and going through all these ideas on their blog and then pretty soon you've gone down this rabbit hole that you can't even remember what you originally were searching for but you found all this other stuff that pretty soon you're like well if I could have six weeks of just sitting at home and trying to figure out how to make all this work I could make it happen but I don't have the time in my life to look like a Pinterest classroom did you find center systems on Pinterest that you tried? Oh, I tried a lot of things from Pinterest. I tried probably four or five different variations of centers and how to rotate and what should be done in the centers as far as activities. And every single year, I would be great until late January or early February. And then you get busy because let's be honest, this is star testing season. Again, it was that this stuff's not rigorous enough. I've got to be doing star type stuff. And so I would abandon it. And so the next year I would find something, okay, this year, this is going to work. This is going to work. And of course I would put tons of time into planning and prepping and, you know, having to reprint stuff all the time and, you know, just ridiculous amounts of time. And again, by January or February, eh, we're done with that. So, so about by the a year time you, you find this system and by the time you get it set, so you spend all this time getting it set up and then by the time you actually get it working, you're probably into October. Yes. And, and then, so you might get November and a couple of weeks in December and you come back and it's not working. Yeah. yeah. And what, what it, and either because it was too complicated to keep up with or. That was a know, lot of it. It was just yeah, too complicated I mean, to keep up the, with. The rotations themselves maybe weren't complicated, but I was complicating it. I was trying to put so much into a center so that I was making it rigorous enough that A, they couldn't do it without me spending forever explaining it and then re-explaining it the next day. And then they'd still be back at my table bugging me. You know, what do I do? And how do I do this? And I don't understand and stuff. It was just a repetitive, every year it was the same cycle. And finally I was like, there has got to be a better plan out here. <laughs> and so- So yeah. I, I'm curious- because I heard you say something that I hear, that I see all the time when I go in and I observe teachers and their their students are constantly interrupting them. Their mm -hmm. students don't know how to do the activity because they've picked something and it looks great on paper. And it probably is a very good activity. It's just not something your kids can necessarily do independently. Right. Plus, when you've got math and literacy center or when you've got activities 
that you really need them to just be able to go over there and do without you having to do a lot of explanation. Mm -hmm. Talk about that and kind of what that process was like of, tr of trying to put activities and find activities that they could actually do without you having to spend a lot of time explaining. It, feel, it felt like every week I was finding new activities. Like every week I had to go search for stuff because, you know, whatever I had used the year before, I might take pieces of that and try to use it again. But ultimately I had decided that didn't work. Don't use that again. It was too much to put in that center. And so it seemed like every time I went to do lesson plans, I was having to reinvent the wheel again. And we all know there's no need to reinvent the wheel. You know, you find something that works and you just use that pattern. It, you got to find something that's not repetitive in what they're doing necessarily, but repetitive in nature, as far as they know what's expected, they know how it works. They know what to do. And Absolutely. then as long as you make sure you've got something in there, that's a spiral. Oh, here's, here's the other mistake I used to make. I would stick stuff in centers that had no business being in centers because they hadn't had enough chance to practice with it. It was not a spiraled skill. Oh, uh, I did that to myself more times than I care to admit. My teacher heart is so happy because yeah. I tell you this happens so often. Um, and it is one of the very first things that I teach is your centers have got to be things that are you that your kids have already learned. Yeah. You, they've had some time to practice with. If you're putting things that are on the lesson plan that week in your centers or last week's, yeah, or no. last week's, yeah, I was shooting uh, myself in the foot every time because I would do something one week and then the next week I would put it in a center. They're not ready for that. Absolutely. They're not independent on that skill yet. I hate to admit that it took me almost 10 years of teaching to figure that out because that should have been common sense. But as teachers, we just sometimes we forget to take a step back and use our common sense. We're so worried about getting it all in and making sure that we're exposing them to all this stuff. And oh my gosh, I got to have this many grades for the six weeks or the nine weeks or whatever. And that was another battle that I had to deal with was just, okay, great. I've got all these centers, but I need grades, you know? And so I've had to figure out ways to still get my required grades, but yet I'm not grading everything that I'm putting in the centers. Absolutely. You know, I, I heard you say you were spending every week, you were spending time searching and searching and searching. And I'm guessing this is, this was coming into play with what I know for me, it was those Sunday night blues where oh. you basically have to tell your family after church, after dip, after lunch. I'm sorry. I y'all can't talk to me. I'm going to be busy for the next eight hours trying to, because I'm going to end up on this rabbit hole of just trying to find activities to put in. So were you exactly. spending just hours upon hours searching? Oh yeah. Or I'd go up to the school and spend an entire Sunday afternoon up in my classroom, just trying to put stuff together. And that goes into, I've been very proud of myself. It's only taken me 11 years to do this, but you know, I finally have a method to the madness and I am lesson planned, set up and done when I leave my classroom on Friday afternoon. I, this year, I have not had to come home and do lesson plans on the weekends. I have not had stacks of papers to grade that ultimately sometimes, let's be honest, y'all, sometimes they go in file 13 because you're like, you know what? I have umpteen grades. I'm not going to sit here and grade this. I'm sick of grading. Chunk it, you know? Okay. And so I, <laughs> it's been life changing, honestly, finally, finally finding something that works for me. It is April 2nd, right? 
is it April 2nd? Yeah, it it's April 2nd. 2nd. It is April 2nd. Uh, and I've made it all year and we're still rolling with our centers and everything. So yeah, I, I used to spend ridiculous amounts of time trying to lesson plan and all that when FIDA had a system that actually worked well and center activities that were working the way they were designed to work and I was implementing them the way they were designed to work. I could have had a whole lot of extra time to sit there on the couch and watch a football game or just chill or whatever it might be. So, well, and tell me not only in your own planning and prepping, because that's a very big piece of it too, is prepping, making sure that you have activities that follow. And I teach this that follow those simple patterns because it even helps with prepping because you already know it's going to be simple, easy, and you already know exactly what's going to have to happen. And you're not having to go, Oh, this is what I need. This is what I need. Talk about in your classroom, how much time you got back. If you got any time back in your classroom because kids finally knew what to do and things were moving like clockwork. I mean, did is that something that you experienced? You were had a lot more time to teach? Yes. And and I know you're gonna laugh because you're gonna say, I told you, I told you that would it would work. Uh, I remember having a conversation with you and I said, I don't feel comfortable only having little 10 minute rotations at my teacher table because I can't get enough done. And you said, Oh, but you can. And I want you to know that I do 10, 12 at the most minute rotations instead. And I see every student every day. So I see all of my third graders every day at my teacher table, as opposed to one of one of the center setups that I tried at one point within the last two years, I only saw two groups a day. So I'd see my lows and my mids one day. And then the next day I'd see my next set of mids and my high or however I had it set up, you know, and then on Friday there weren't centers. So I was only seeing my kids basically twice a week at my teacher table. And it was taking a long time to get things accomplished because you've got to take two days to do what it was you wanted to do. If you're working on a certain uh, certain standard and you're working on these things at different leveled groups, obviously, and pushing some groups further and working more on the basic stuff with some, but you still got to take two days to do it if you're only seeing half of your kids every day. This year, with the way I'm doing it now, I'm getting to see every kid every day. And in about October, I was standing there talking to my one of my team teachers who teaches science and social studies. And I said, I cannot figure out why. And, and of course, in hindsight, I'm like, well, duh. I said, I cannot figure out why, but I'm like two weeks ahead of where I was last year. Like, seriously, I'm like two weeks ahead. I'm already doing stuff now that I was doing like right before Christmas or right, you know, right around Thanksgiving. And she's like, I don't you know, and, and I first attributed it to last year was a a very difficult year with some of the students that we had. And there was a lot of days that it was just a three ring circus, literally. And I felt like I just wasn't able to get some of my teaching done as well as, or as in depth as I wanted to. So I was just attributing it, attributing it to that. Well, then I got to thinking about, I was like, well, you're not taking two days with every single thing you do at your teacher table. You're able to actually actually get things accomplished faster. And I was like, funny how that works. Funny how that works. Yeah. So obviously I got a lot of time back in my classroom and, and plus with just the, the prepping and the planning prep work, if I, for some odd reason, and I've done it a couple of times for some odd reason, if I don't have my center boxes set up and ready to go for the next week before I leave Friday, literally I can walk in Monday morning. I can spend five minutes pulling. Here's the center for this. Here's the center activity for this. And I keep the, the recording sheet 
sheets and the answer documents, I keep them in a file alphabetized in my file cabinet. So I can go, okay, I'm doing this activity in this center. Okay, here's the recording sheet. I'm gonna go run those copies real quick, put it in the folder in the box. Here's my stuff, done, five done, minutes. Five minutes, done. I love it. I love and it. And what I love even more is, okay, so this year has been a little crazy with the virtual thing, right? Yeah. We, we didn't have a lot of virtual students. We started out with about four. Now keep in mind, we only had 36 or 37 total third graders. So, but regardless, we didn't have a lot of them, but we still had to go live and record our lessons. And we use Google Classroom at our district. So, you know, I was trying to do teacher table with my iPad there while I had my kids in front of me, along with my kids at home and trying to do all that. But I could still have my kids at home be doing the same centers that we were doing at school because I could upload them onto Google Classroom and they were right there. And then, Here's another aha moment I had, because again, with the whole ah, crazy year we've had, um, having, 2020, 2020. having to keep them, try to keep them six feet apart in the classroom, you know, and kids are like little magnets, you know, they, they want to congregate together. Uh-huh. And so I thought, okay, now I really don't want to have to reprint all my center stuff. Cause you know, the, the initial, I printed everything, laminated, cut. And yeah, the initial took some time, but now I don't have to do that again. So yeah. it's time saving in the end. But, you know, I, I was like, okay, I, I really don't want to have to print multiple copies of every center so that they can all, you know, sit that far away from each other and work. But I was like, I can upload the center into their Google Classroom. They can go get their iPad. They can go sit down and they can work on it and still be sitting at that center. And they don't have to touch any of the physical task card. And it's worked so well. And again, duh, I don't know why it took me till like January to think of that one. Well, and and they're the same activities. They follow the same simple patterns that they're used to. It's not recreating the wheel or throwing an activity at them that they're like, okay, how do I do this? What am I supposed to match? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to? They're not having to relearn how to do something. And so it saves time because they can just go sit down and get busy. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I had talked a little bit ago about how I thought everything had to be star rigor. Well, I was kind of wrong. You know, I, I love that the centers that I'm using this year are, are just spiraling those skills that are so important to be able to use the rigor that we need when it comes time for it. But things like double digit multiplication, multiplication facts, division facts, modeling the different representations. Like there's one with arrays where you're doing division, you know, just addition or subtraction. And the cool thing is that they're all self-checking because they've got the task card that has the the little problem, but it's also got the little cards that you can match. So literally it's self-checking because, you know, if they can't find the answer and, you know, you've always got those kids, Ms. Atwood, there's this answer is not here. I said, well, honey, (laughs) I promise you. I promise you it's there. (laughs) I promise you if you can't find the answer that you got, you might want to go back and check your work. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's nice in that respect because they know that they can find their little matches. And if they don't find the match, they know that something's not quite right. And so that again, keeps them from being at my table all the time saying, I can't find the answer. 
I don't know how to do this. I, I just, you know, it's, it's been great. So I can have my little 10 minute rotations at my teacher table and, oh, and the other cool thing, and this was not always the case either. You know, when you get so many things that they have to, you, you know, we've all been there. You're going to have to cut all these apart. You're going to have to sort them and you're going to have to glue them and blah, blah, blah. So right there, you've got little loose pieces of paper that end up on the floor. Cause you know, most third graders can't just cut a piece of paper. They got to cut it into like a million little pieces. Uh, so that they've got all those million little pieces of trash paper confetti everywhere. Yes. And so the, the concept of you've got like a minute to clean up so we can rotate would turn into this big production because it's like, guys, come on, you got to pick up all that trash. Oh, there's scissors. Over there. Oh, there's glue over there. Oh, there's this, there's that. The other thing I really love, and especially with the digital version of it, there's very little cleanup. I mean, you pick up your pieces, you put them back in the bag, you put them in the box, and they know they better leave that box looking like it did when they got there. I'm not cleaning up after you. You are plenty old to clean up after yourself. So anyway, uh, that's the other thing I love. I've got my little doorbell at my teacher table, and I ring my doorbell, and you've got one minute to clean up so we can rotate. They get it cleaned up, and and half of them are ready to rotate within like 15 seconds. So it's it's been really great. They know exactly what's required. You know, I, I but I really love the spiralness. If that's a word, did I just make up spiralness? You just made up a word, did you? I don't I know. Made up a word. I should we'll say it is. But anyway, I I love the amount of spiraling that. That happens within those centers. Um, you know, for instance, our kids learned double digit multiplication several weeks ago, but this last week, one of their centers was double digit multiplication. You know, with our standards, we're teaching them, you know, partial products, we're teaching them an area model, we're teaching standard algorithm like we all learned it, but we've got all these other ways for these kiddos who just can't quite grasp the process behind the standard algorithm. And what's cool though, is now they've had enough spiral practice that man, they're knocking out that double digit multiplication and they're to the point that they are wanting to use the standard algorithm. Yeah. And so they practiced it enough that they're comfortable with it now. Whereas before, you know, I might be trying to throw them maybe one or two rigorous problems a day where they're, first of all, they're struggling through the rigor of it. If they're a lower, you know, lower performing student, who's really maybe not quite there and they're getting downtrodden for that and they're not getting enough practice with just the basic skill that they're needing to do and and they're not getting it completed that was the other thing I used to deal with all the time was half my kids didn't complete their centers from last week so now we've got to spend this week trying to finish that so then I got to change my lesson plans and there's no reason that they can't get their centers finished now there's 12 little things that they're going to match in general almost every center has roughly 12 things on it for the ones I'm using. And even my kids who may struggle with focus or who may struggle with the process or who may struggle with some of those skills, they're able to feel like they've accomplished something because they're, they're independent. They can do it on their own. And yeah, I still go through and I check to make sure that, that they're getting it. And, and if I see someone that they missed half of them, I'm like, okay, we're going to pull them aside. We're going to bring them to my teacher table. We're going to go over it. But in general, they're, they're successful. So what I'm hearing you, uh, you know, just, I'm just hearing you say all of these really amazing little, you know, goals 
gold nuggets of things is that you got back time outside of the classroom. You got more teaching time inside of the classroom. You were seeing that your students were actually grasping the concepts better because you were implementing spiral review instead of, you know, trying to put things in your centers that were like what you were teaching that that week because you were so stressed out about making sure the star rigor was there. And you also now meet with all of your students every single day, not just one or two groups. Yeah. And do you think also that because you're able to teach and you're able to meet with all of your students every single day, that means that you are actually able to do more of that rigorous instruction inside your small groups so you're not having to stress out about putting it into your centers as well. Talk to me for a minute about differentiation. How easy is it to differentiate now for your students who maybe need a little extra practice on something or they need to be pushed? Well, one cool thing is I've got, I now have my hands on centers that will fit a multitude of abilities, a multitude of grade levels, basically. So if I've got, and I do have a couple of kiddos who are literally working on a kindergarten level. And so at the beginning of the year, I was working with our special ed teacher and I said, okay, I realize this student's going to be with you a fair amount for resource, but when this student's in my room, I can print out some of these kindergarten level centers and that student can work on those and still be independent. That was something that nobody had ever really been able to do before because not many teachers are going to take a whole bunch of time, first of all, to go find and pay for and print and do all this stuff for one or two students that, you know, are nowhere near the grade level they're teaching. And I like that fast. I was able to find what I wanted, print some things out. And then, you know, I, I passed them on to the special education teacher. And I said, if you have other kiddos that you can use these for, you know, when they're with you, feel free. I don't mind you using them. Um, so if I have a kiddo that's on a lower level, I can find something that they need to work on. You know, maybe I've got someone who just really needs to work on basic addition facts as opposed to addition with regrouping or, you know, whatever the case may be. And same thing goes for my students who need pushed a little bit. I can go ahead and look into some of the centers that might be in later parts of the year, but are still the same type of skill, maybe just a little bit more elevated in, in nature. And I can have them work on those. So, And it's super simple to do when you have a place to go and you're not spending all your time on the weekends. Because let's face it, the further, you know, I usually didn't run into needing to differentiate a whole lot. I, obviously, it was usually needing to differentiate down in the beginning of the right. year. But as you go through the year and you're really needing to differentiate down and up, um, let's face it, we get tired and we, we don't have a lot of time and we need that place where we can just we, look, all I know is I just got to go log in. I just got to go find it. That's really what we need because we, we don't have time to spend. And that's a lot of the biggest issue I see with regard to differentiation is just teachers not having time to actually do the work that's needed to do the differentiation. So I know everybody, I know you're probably thinking, okay, what is this amazing thing that you're talking about? Because this sounds like absolute small group instruction heaven. And I will say that Alexis teaches third grade math, but the same things that she's doing in math. I know you've taught reading before. Would you be doing this in reading as well? Oh, 100%. 100%. And, and, science and social studies, our science and social studies teacher would be using them. 
Oh, that's awesome. So I also have another interview um, that I, that if, I don't know if you'll have seen that one or you'll watch it after this one um, with a kindergarten teacher who she actually always taught fifth grade. Um, I think Ooh, it was that was a change, grade. wasn't it? <laughs> and she moved to kindergarten uh, this year. And it was her first year in kindergarten. She was like, surely kindergarten, how bad could it be? And uh, <laughs> so I, I know that this, it doesn't matter whether you're teaching kindergarten all the way up through fifth grade. And even she has said, listen, if I go back to fifth grade, I'm so doing this because this mm -hmm. was so nice. But so the system that, that, you're, that you use is my Learning Centers Made Easy uh, program. You went through the course. Now, Alexis was one of our founding members. I will say that. And you went through the course. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and the course itself taught you the system and mm -hmm. gave you all of the components to make the system work. And so talk about how that course, you said, I remember telling you, there's no way I can, I can meet with every single group. Talk about how that course really helped change your mindset and gave you everything you needed to really make this happen. Well, it made it so simple. I, I was trying, I wasn't following the KISS method whatsoever for the nine years prior. It, it just made it so simple to use and, and made it just seem like common sense. Like, oh my gosh, this, this does work and this will work. And, you know, I was a little leery of trying it halfway through the year, because again, when I went through the course, it was right after Christmas break. Yep. So we were starting into spring semester. I had already taught my kids my, my other not so helpful center rotation. And so I was like, gosh, I don't know if, if I can like mid year, like jump into it. I, I just thought, well, what the heck we're going to try it because last year at this time it, or in January, I needed simplicity. It was a crazy year. Even this was way before COVID-19 was a thing. It was, it was just truly a crazy year. We had struggles every day with just behavior management. And I mean, it, it was a three ring circus. So I was like anything to make my life easier. I tried it and I thought, I don't have anything to lose. We're just going to try it. And it, it almost immediately just kind of flawlessly worked because it flows so well. It makes sense. The kids, they loved it. They thought, this sounds really silly, but they even thought like the center boxes, they were just so cool. It wasn't like, you know, here's your paper, here's your stuff that you need. I mean, it was every center had a spot within the room and, and they, they loved it and, and it worked so well. Of course I, I didn't that. finish out, didn't get to finish out the year with it because life, you know, got a little crazy, but uh, this, this, fall and and even you know I did talk to you a few times and, and ask so like how am I going to make this work with what we're having to deal with this year how how's this whole thing going to work um, and that and and that wasn't and just to just to clarify you know you said you reached out and we talked we talked and we chatted that wasn't just special treatment you were getting no. That no, was no. part of the program. That was part the coaching the along with it. Yeah, 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 that was part of the program. Yeah, I mean, I I've implemented it all year, and we're still going strong. And it's April second, and I haven't quit yet. And I, I love, love it. it. I love it. Yeah. Now, you went through the course, and mm -hmm. would you say that the course is that the system? Because the system is pretty simple. Mm -hmm. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, look, if do the sim, do the system the exact way that I tell you to do it. But then you can adapt it. It's very easily to adapt to your own style 
without having to really reinvent anything. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's the way you designed it. I just had, you know, a couple little things again, that just because of the nature of this year, I tweaked just a little bit, but it's working fabulously. And next year I'm planning on, you know, fully implementing 100% because, you know, hopefully we won't have some of those restrictions by next fall. But yeah, it's, it's, it's so simple and anybody can implement it. There's not a rocket science behind it, but it truly took somebody that, that tried to keep it simple instead of getting in that mindset of it's gotta be so rigorous and it's gotta be, you know, all these different things. And, and that's why I'm so glad I did go through the course because you know, each week you broke down a component of the center uh, system and, and really, you know, helped us see, oh, this is easy to implement. And in fact, each week there were little pieces that we would implement, whether it was just a little bit of planning with, you know, obviously you're not going to necessarily use all of your students as they are, but, you know, just using some of the students you, you have in your class, you know, you've always got in your mind, like, okay, here's this pairing or here's this grouping and right. here's how I could do this. And so it just really helped each week bring it together as far as how we can implement this. And so by the time the course was completed, there were a lot of things that were already done. They were already done. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I'm, of course, you're, you're hearing this for the first time because I haven't even announced it to the, to the group yet. We are actually going to be doing a virtual boot camp right before school starts oh, next year, cool. where we're going to go through and we are, you are going to get a four week boot camp, and we're basically going to go back through the course again. And oh, we, I would love that. Visit everything. So I I'm excited that. about the virtual I event. That. I said yeah. four week. I didn't mean four week. I meant four day. I don't know why. I'm, I said me four. I'm there. But we're going to do a four-day virtual event and you're going to get to go through and I'm going to basically, we're going to go through everything. We're going to talk about things that are coming up. We'll have obviously new things that we may be in place for next school year. We don't know yet. So it's going to give everybody that opportunity to really get back in there, kind of reset, recharge and, and go into it. So I'm super excited about that. Now you went from the course to the membership, which mm -hmm. when Alexis talks about all of the activities that she was using and the differentiating and having that one-stop shop to go to, to get that. So the membership was the next level and you went, you were like, oh my gosh, the course has changed everything. Yeah. I'm definitely going into the membership. So talk. Well, about it was a no brainer. That. It was a no brainer. It really was I like, I that. didn't have to even think twice. Um, so, you know, I, I saw the value in the course to start with, but then I saw the value in the membership because there are so many added benefits as far as materials and activities and and access to you even with office hours that we can hop on and and ask questions or brainstorm or clarification on things or even just okay so I tried this and here's what's kind of you know and just just talking through it with you and so that was invaluable as well so yeah the membership was a no-brainer I love that. I'm so excited about the next year that's coming up. I, I'm just, I, I, we've got so many other great things that are coming for you guys. And for those of you who are watching or listening, you can check somewhere around here in a description or somewhere, there will be a link for you to go get a little bit of information and join the waiting list because um, at the time of this recording, it is not open for enrollment yet. It's something we only open in enrollment at the end of the school year um, so that we can go through that training in the summer. 
And so you can go get on the wait list and so that you can get in the next time and you can come join Alexis. Alexis does a lot of, uh, she answers questions and stuff in our group as well. So I love that. You, you guys have just absolutely filled my heart and my life this past year and it's been amazing. So I hope I've been able to give just a fraction of that back to you guys. Thank you so much for joining me on this. Hey, thanks for having me. This was fun. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can find all the links mentioned in today's episode by clicking the link in the description to jump over to the show notes. I know your time is valuable as a teacher, and I am honored that you chose to spend a piece of it with me. Help other teachers like you find the podcast by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you get notified when new episodes are available. Thanks again for listening, and most importantly, keep being educational rock stars.